Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Gary Chevalier. Excited that you're here today um, on this Independence Day weekend, kind of, because you know, Fourth of July is until Tuesday, but has anybody else's neighborhood already started doing fireworks? <laughs> I mean, for the past couple of days, it was June, and people are shooting off fireworks. I'm like, man. But you know, the great thing about Fourth of July being on a Tuesday, how many of you guys are taking off Monday? That's right, four-day weekend, right? So for all of you guys who had the foresight to take Monday off, way to go. Some of us didn't think that quite far in advance, so we'll be working tomorrow. But whether or not you're working or not working, I'm excited that you're here today to celebrate Jesus on the weekend that we celebrate our freedom. And really, when we think about freedom, freedom is really worth celebrating. I mean, of all the things we choose to celebrate, that's a good one. Like, when I was in college, I was in a town called Marshall, Texas, up in East Texas, and we had the Fire Ant Festival. They celebrated fire ants for a whole week. I, I know, I thought the same thing. So of all the things that you celebrate, freedom really is a good one. And honestly, freedom was purchased at such a great price that it should be celebrated. Did you know, since the inception of our country, over 1.1 million men and women have died, given their lives for our freedom. 1.1 million young men and young women gave up their future so that you could have yours. That sacrifice, that freedom is worth celebrating. And when we have special days like this, like Memorial Day or, or 4th of July, you know, that kind of just comes home to us a little bit more, doesn't it? The, what the cost was that we can have the freedom that we have. And even more so, when you visit a historical, historical site. So a couple months ago, I was privileged to go to Pearl Harbor <clears throat> and see that memorial and really to, to go to the battleship Arizona and, and that memorial. And you know, on the boat ride over, people were talking, they were pointing, there was jokes, kids were screaming, you know, the normal stuff that you see at a tourist attraction. But the instant we got off the boat and walked onto the monument, everyone's demeanor changed. Parents were shushing their children. There was a, a sense of reverence as we stepped on and walked around. People would walk up to a view like that and look at the, at the big turret. And then they would step aside so the next person could come. I mean, such amounts of kindness that you generally don't see in a lot of places in society, but it was present there. And then as we moved to the rear of the monument and looked at the wall of the 1,177 names of the men that died on the battleship Arizona that day, there's a, a certain amount of just gravitas of that moment that just, it engulfs you and, you and you see that wall and you understand the cost. Have you ever visited a historical monument like that where there was such a great loss of life, maybe the Vietnam Memorial or, or Gettysburg or even the Alamo. It's different than when you go to a, a regular uh, museum, right, with just filled with a bunch of old stuff. I mean, that's fascinating to see. But when you go somewhere where there was such loss of life over freedom, it grabs you. 
there's a, a sense of awe and of respect. And kind of laced within that is a sense of gratitude for what they've given up for you and for me. And that's why we invest money building monuments like that. That's why we invest in places like the Tomb of the Unknowns at Arlington National Cemetery where it's guarded day and night. I mean, soldiers that we don't even know their name, it's not inscribed anywhere. They receive the most honor because of their sacrifice. And when we see servicemen and women in uniform and we thank them, why do we do that? Which, by the way, when you see servicemen and women in uniform, you should thank them. They should hate going outside because we are like a grateful paparazzi always thanking them. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you so much. They should be walking around like this because so many people are saying thank you. Because those servicemen and women have chosen to accept the cost of serving in our nation's military, which less than 1% of Americans do. And they do that knowing that at any moment in time, they can be called upon to put their life at risk and pay the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. Why do we do that? Why do we thank them? I believe Jesus said it best in the book of John, chapter 15, verse 13. He says this, no one has greater love than the one who gives their life for their friends. That's why we do it, out of gratitude for their love. Gratitude, that's why we honor them. That's why we go to so much trouble. And that gratitude, when we carry it on to Jesus and his sacrifice, should be every bit of that and more. See, Jesus is God. And he left heaven, came to earth, lived a sinless life, died and experienced the punishment for our sin so that we could have eternal life in heaven. Every sin, every single thing that we have done wrong, he bore the punishment for. Selfishness, lying, cheating, and that's just Pastor Mike. <laughs> Adultery, he paid the penalty. Abuse, he paid it. Everything, Jesus Christ gives us forgiveness. All we have to do is ask. It's free. That sacrifice, that gift commands our gratitude. And when we honor our country and our veterans like we should, we need to honor Jesus as well. Our gratitude needs to drive everything that we do. Our whole lifestyle should be one that's filled with gratitude. So how do we do that? How do we make our daily life show gratitude for Jesus' sacrifice? I think there are two key components. The first one you can find on the top of your message notes is this. It's number one, a grateful life gives to others. A grateful life gives to others. Now, in the book of Luke, we find the story of a man named Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus is a popular story used with kids. And so, if you spent any time in church as a, as a young one, chances are you know a song about Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Am I the only one that knows that? 
Okay, maybe so. All right. So in the other services, people like saying along. So we'll just leave that one there. But Zacchaeus is often attributed as a little kid's story. But when we do that, we miss the grown-up story that's involved in Zacchaeus. So it's in Luke chapter 19. It's only 10 verses long, but it's so significant. So Zacchaeus was a tax collector, all right? And when we think tax collectors, we think IRS, right? And what do we think when we think IRS? Exactly. Tax collectors in Jesus' time were far worse. See, back in the day, Rome had taken over Israel, and Rome said, you owe us this amount of tax. Tax collectors would then contract with Rome to say, I'll collect that tax for you. But see, Rome didn't pay the tax collectors. So the way the tax collectors supported themselves is they charged for that tax and then a little extra for themselves. Except you combine that system with human nature and they're not charging just a little extra. They were fleecing people and becoming very, very wealthy by overcharging people of taxes. Naturally, the Jewish people hated them. And beyond that, they were allied with the Roman government, a foreign government. So the Jewish people looked at tax collectors as traitors. And so tax collectors had their own special category of being a sinner. Like Jews would refer to the sinners and the tax collectors. Like, okay, there's the sinners and the tax collectors. That's how much they were despised, and Zacchaeus was one of those guys. Well, at that time in history, there was much to do going on about this man named Jesus and how he healed people and he did miracles and he was a great teacher. But remember, they didn't have satellite TV. They didn't have newspapers. There was nothing like that. The only way they could know is if they saw and heard themselves. So when word came that Jesus was coming to their town, Zacchaeus, like everybody, wanted to go see this Jesus that everyone was talking about. But Zacchaeus had a problem. If you'll remember from the song, he was a wee little man. He was short, and he couldn't see over the crowds, and he couldn't see through them. So what did he do? He ran ahead and climbed up in a tree, and he thought, this way, when Jesus walks by, I'll be able to see him. But Jesus didn't walk by. Instead, Jesus walked right up to him in the tree, looked at him, called him by name, and said, Zacchaeus, I need you to come down because I'm going to your house today for dinner. Now, Zacchaeus was amazed, got down and took Jesus to his house. And here's, here's why he was amazed. Because Jesus walking up to Zacchaeus and talking to him, I mean, let's forget the fact that he had never met him and called him by name. But Jesus simply talking to Zacchaeus, that was a huge social no-no. Because he was a tax collector. But Jesus going to his house, that's like committing political suicide. People grumbled against that. But Jesus didn't care about public opinion. Jesus cared about Zacchaeus' heart. And so he went and had dinner with Zacchaeus. And can you imagine how Zacchaeus felt at that moment? That Jesus, the most popular guy around, like if they had Twitter back then, Jesus would be trending. Because everybody wanted to know. That guy came to the social outcast and said, I'm going to your house to eat. The gratitude that Zacchaeus felt because Jesus had showed him honor, had showed him respect, had showed him love, and he communicated to all of the Jewish people around 
that Zacchaeus had value. When every one of them despised Zacchaeus, Jesus said, you have value. Well, naturally, Zacchaeus was overcome with gratitude. And it, the Bible tells us in Luke 19, verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Gratitude to Jesus inspired Zacchaeus to give. He was overwhelmed and he said, I'm going to give half of what I own. Half of his net worth, he's given to the poor. Now, I'm all for buying somebody lunch when they do you a favor. But this is half of everything he owned to the poor that he didn't know. I mean, it, obviously, he didn't hang out with poor people. They had nothing for him. He donated half. And then he said he was going to pay back four times what he had cheated people out of. I mean, I think a fair draw would be to pay back what you owe. And maybe with an extra 10% or 20% for their trouble. And if you're really a good guy, you could pay back double what you had taken. But no, he four times. That is extravagant. He quadrupled what he had stolen. And he did it because he was so overcome with gratitude. Overwhelming gratitude at what Jesus had done for him. Take a moment and think about what Jesus has done for you. Process through that, that pain and that agony that he felt of your sin being placed on his sinless body as it was brutally nailed to a cross and then hung for six hours for him to die. All of that so that you have the opportunity to spend eternity in heaven with him. When you consider a gift like that, doesn't it, doesn't it make you want to give in turn? And now Zacchaeus, he gave a ton of money, all right? And let's be real, most of us don't have the financial resources to give money that way. But giving is not always about money. And yes, we are supposed to give money. Scripture is very clear that God asks us to give 10% back to him. He calls it a tithe and says it is holy to him. So yes, we are to give money, but it's so much more than that. Giving can be as simple as giving things away that you already own. And chances are you probably don't even need anymore. You can give away clothing. You can give furniture. You can give those things to ministries like the Fort Bend Women's Center or Katie Christian Ministries or Family Hope. There's no shortage of ministries that you can give items to. And it costs you nothing because you've already paid for it and used it. Or maybe you don't really have a lot of stuff to give, but you have time. You can give your time to others serving. You can serve here at Parkway Fellowship. You can serve in any of those ministries that I just mentioned. You can serve your elderly neighbor by cutting their grass or moving their trash can out and in. Just little things. There is an endless supply of ways to serve. And when you, when you give like that, don't do it just because you have to and do it with a begrudging heart. We should serve and give to others with joy in our hearts that comes from that gratitude that we have. 
2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Circle, cheerful giver. We should give with cheer and joy, and the act of giving should bring us cheer and joy. And so I want to challenge you this month, when you're donating those clothes, or when you're writing that check, or when you're pushing sin on the push pay app, or when you're showing up to serve, before you do any of that, pause for a moment. Consider in your heart what Jesus has given for you, the gifts that he gave you. See if the joy of his sacrifice for you doesn't fuel your giving and make you a joyful and cheerful giver. I promise you. It will, because when you understand what was given for you, giving to others is so natural, and it makes you happy. All right, the second trait that we find in a joyful life, or a grateful life, is this. Number two, a grateful life tells others. A grateful life tells others. See, when someone goes above and beyond for you, you know, your first emotion is gratitude, you're thankful for it, but then don't you want to tell somebody about it? Don't you want to let them know? I mean, that's why we invented Yelp, right? To let other people know about good things that happened. So for me recently, uh, it was a couple months ago. It was after church. It had been raining that day. And I was sitting in my office getting prepared for some meetings I had in the afternoon. And so I wasn't headed home, but my phone rang. And I heard this. Dad, I'm fine. Yeah. (laughs) Well, We have trained our girls that when they give us a random phone call, to start off with, I'm fine. And so that way we don't go into parent freakout mode, right? So the daughter calls, Dad, I'm fine. Okay, what's wrong? Well, I kind of need your help. All right, what do you need? Well, um, I'm kind of in a ditch. Okay, baby, where are you? Well, you know that corner right around the church? Yeah, I'm there. Okay, darling, I'm coming. So I sent a few text messages, canceled my meetings, climbed in my car, and sure enough, down this corner right here down 59 where it makes that hard left turn over by the the greenery place, she had hydroplaned around that corner, slid off into a part of the church's property that is now affectionately known as Audrey's Ditch. (laughs) So with the help of a couple of church members who had stopped by to check on her, check on us, and then two Fort Bend Sheriff's Department deputies who were amazing stood out in the rain with me and helped to make sure that, you know, no other traffic came through and and contributed to the accident. Uh, We were all safe, got the car out, and honestly... I've only recently in the last year moved here. I didn't know where to take the car for body work. So I pulled out my phone and Googled it, found a place that was within the towing distance uh, that would be allowed. So I'm like, okay, here we go. So of course it was on a Sunday. So we just had to drop it off and leave it. So I met with the, the guy that owned the place on Monday morning, looked at the car, talked through it, came up with a plan for what it should cost. And then on Tuesday, I got a phone call. And you know how those day after phone calls typically tend to go, right? 
Usually, uh-huh, yeah. Usually it's something like, well, I got into the project and I realized your flux capacitor has become disconnected from the hyperdrive motivator and you're going to need a new transmission. Um, usually it goes that way. So when the phone rang, I'm like, oh. So I talked to him and he said, hey, just want to let you know, as I got into the project, I noticed that one of the things we had talked about doing really didn't need to be done. It, it looked like it was messed up, but when I got into it, it really wasn't. And I, I, can, I can work with what's there. Do, do you want me to do that or do you want me to go ahead and replace it? Well, duh. No. But this guy could have just continued with the work as planned. I would have never known the difference. He could have patted his pocket and not had a problem. But instead, he called me to ask if I was okay if he saved me some money and didn't do work that didn't need to be done. So naturally, I'm like, yes. And I'm excited. So what did I do? I started telling people, I'm like, oh, you're never going to believe what this guy did for me. Like, I went online to Yelp and to Google. I looked into Angie's List. I mean, all, I'm just doing all I can to tell people about this amazing guy who was honest and forthright and saved me money when he didn't have to. How much more should I tell people about the one who saved me from hell and has given me an eternity in heaven. I was so grateful for the guy that saved me 200 bucks that I told everybody that I came across and I spent time online filling out reviews. Do I invest that kind of time in telling others about Jesus? Not as much as I, I, I wish I did or I should. I mean, what about, what about you? When you hear somebody talking about what's going on in their life and it's, and it's difficult and they're in a bad circumstance, do you go, oh, 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 let me tell you about Jesus and what he did for me? How would your life be different if you told people about Jesus the way that you recommend your hairdresser or your investment broker or your CrossFit coach? What would that look like in your life if you talked about Jesus the way you talk about all these other people. There's a story in the Bible about a man who did just that. Um, as a matter of fact, we talked about him last week at Vacation Bible School, which, by the way, as you've already heard, was amazing. There were so many kids here, so many of them, it was their first time in church, so many of them, it was their first time to even hear about Jesus. And on Wednesday night, all across this room, there were children who prayed and asked Jesus to be a part of their life and forgive their sins. I know, right? Yes. It was amazing. It was amazing to be a part of. And it's all because people like you guys sacrificed and served and committed your time to those children. And their eternity has now been changed. And if you've never been a part of VBS, I want to encourage you next year, be a part of that. I mean, it's tough. And it's tiring, I'm not going to lie, but it's so worth it when you realize the impact that Vacation Bible School has on the eternity of a child. But back to, back to our story. So there was a man who had been born blind um, and healed by Jesus. And people started asking, wait a minute, are you the guy that used to sit and beg by the temple? And he's like, oh, that's me, Jesus healed me. And then so the Pharisees at the time, the ruling class 
you know, through the, the Bible scholars, they called him in and asked him about Jesus. And he said, oh yeah, Jesus healed me. That man is a prophet. And well, the Pharisees were not happy about that at all because it was basically taking power away from them. And they made it very clear that anybody who believed in Jesus would be thrown out of the church. And I mean, that was like social and cultural suicide to be thrown out of the church. But this man stood in front of the Pharisees and he said this, it's in John chapter nine, nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not for God, he could do nothing. This blind man who was a beggar, had never been to school, had nothing about him that should give him that sort of fortitude, stood up in front of the religious leaders of the day and said, you guys are wrong. This man, if he weren't for God, he couldn't have done any of this. What boldness is that? That took a lot of guts to do that. But he did. Why? Out of gratitude to Jesus for giving him his sight. So naturally, yes, he told the Pharisees, he told everybody about what God had done for him. What would your life look like if you had the boldness to talk to others about what Jesus had done for you? What might that look like? If you sat with the, the parents at, at your kid's swim team or, if you, or the select soccer that they play or, or whatever, what would that look like? If you talked to your family members or your coworkers and told them about who Jesus is and what he's done for you, what would your life look like? What would their life look like if you told them that? And perhaps, perhaps today you can't do that because you have not yet experienced the gratitude that comes from knowing Jesus Christ and receiving Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, I wanna to give you an opportunity to do that because before you can do any of the things I've talked about, you need to have that gratitude for yourself. And not only does that affect your daily life, that affects your eternity. When you choose to follow Jesus, that secures your spot in heaven in eternity. And the Bible tells us that heaven is a paradise. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, these things God has prepared for those who love him. So heaven is better than anything that you can imagine. Anything. So if you're ready to take that step today, if you're ready to choose to follow Jesus Christ, there is a prayer on the bottom of your message notes on the back. You can pray that prayer today, and if you mean those words, honestly, then scripture tells us that Jesus will come into your life at this moment, and you will be saved, and that eternity in heaven will be yours, and you will find strength and peace, and yes, gratitude, in your daily life like you have never known before. So as we approach July 4th on um, this Tuesday, I hope, I pray that you guys have a great time blowing stuff up, grilling steaks or hot dogs or bratwurst or, or whatever you do, just enjoying the time with your family and friends. You know, my family, we're doing a shrimp fry. You know, it's not your traditional July 4th fair, but it's something that my extended family loves to do. So we're gonna get together and we're gonna 
fry a bunch of shrimp and play 42. And just in case you guys are wondering, 42 is not a drinking game. It's actually a game with dominoes. It is the best game ever, hands down. If you want to know more about it, I'll be waiting in the lobby. I'll be happy to tell you about it and why it's the best. And if you play 42, let me know because I'd love to play sometime because sadly, not so many people do it. But it's a rite of passage for the Chevalier men. And so that's what we do. We sit around, we eat fried shrimp and we play 42. It's gonna be glorious. But whatever you do, I pray that you have a good time and you enjoy it. And I encourage you, remember to be grateful for the servicemen and servicewomen who have provided that freedom for you. Be grateful for the men and women who died to give it to you. And be grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And remember to always give to others out of gratitude. Tell others out of your gratitude. And always, 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 always let your gratitude to Jesus Christ be a part of everything that you do. Please bow your heads and allow me to pray for you. God, thank you. Thank you for placing me in this country uh, that freedom is, is so easy that it's just here. God, thank you that I haven't had to fight a war. I haven't had to, to have any negative consequences for my freedom. But God, that is freedom that you have just given us. Thank you for the men and women who did fight and who did die and those who continue to protect it. God, it's such a blessing and I'm grateful for it. Most of all, though, Jesus, thank you for choosing to leave heaven, come to earth, live a sinless life, endure all the pain and the agony that you endured when my sin was placed on your shoulders. God, and you did it just so that I could know you, that we could know you, and we could have eternity with you. Father, may you fill our hearts so full of gratitude to Jesus that from this day and every day, everything we do is drenched in gratitude to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.